You're listening to Movie Making with Renell Golden. Today we're talking to Melissa Gregory Rue about her powerful and inspiring films on social issues. Stay tuned. Movie Making with Renell Golden is brought to you by Samira Entertainment, supporting indie films and the filmmakers who create them. Stop by their website to learn more, www.samiraentertainment.com. That's www.samiraentertainment.com. Hello, everybody. We are here with Melissa Gregory Rue, filmmaker. She's a writer and a director, and she is on a mission to make films with purpose. How are you doing today? Well, I'm doing great. It's summer is my favorite season, and I'm in Louisville, Kentucky, and it's it's beautiful here. So do get doing well. Oh, Kentucky is a beautiful state. I, I just went through there in May and the Derby was happening or something, but the state was gorgeous, all green and just a lovely place to be. I need to go back. So, um, but we're here to talk about your filmmaking journey today. And I wanted to find out at what point did you realize I've got to become a filmmaker? That's a good question. I was really in love with film from a young, I mean, the first film I remember just, I didn't, I didn't imagine myself becoming a director, but The Wizard of Oz was the first film that I was obsessed with. Oh, yeah. I was very young. And then when I was in high school, I started finding some more kind of avant-garde, kind of like not mainstream. More uh, experimental, artsy yeah, more art, more film, art film type um, okay. fair. And I watched a lot of those. And then um, in college, I knew I was really interested in filmmaking. I took a German cinema class that blew my mind. Oh, wow. And that was just kind of like the beginning of the light bulb going off. I did some acting in a film. I was a PA on a film, but I ended up becoming an English professor because that seemed like a much more realistic goal at that point. Right, right. We all have those in this industry. Yeah. <laughs> I come from, my mom's an English teacher. So, so, but yeah, I, once I finally landed a full-time professor gig, I immediately knew I don't want to do this for the rest of my life. So I started film school oh. a year after I started a tenure track position. Oh, wow. And then my path wow. just went like, whoop. I'm done teaching, <laughs> you know, but it was a very slow and very long road. Wow. But it led you to where you are now. And your most recent film, I think that you released is called Live Out Loud. Yes. And that is a film that has a purpose that is showing, you know, society things that we need to know. And what brought that film about? Well, I was living in Portland, Oregon. I, My husband and I met there. We lived there for almost three decades. I was teaching when the homelessness crisis started escalating, not only in Portland, but all over the West Coast. Right. And so I was a very social justice oriented as a teacher. Right. I did this learning projects with some of my students. And so it was just kind of a natural progression from, okay, teaching is really difficult. I think it's hard, especially for college teachers to see that they're making an impact because oh, right. 
we don't know what happens five and years they leave. people, 10 years, you know, we don't know. Right. So I, it just felt frustrating. I wanted to feel like I can see that I'm actually making an impact. People are coming up to me and saying, your film really opened my eyes. That oh, is, wow. yeah. So I really felt like I needed to do work where I could see those results concretely, you know? Oh, wow. How did you pick the subject matter? How did you say, this is what I need to, to, to do and write about and film? So as the crisis escalated in Portland and different mayors were trying different, you know, band-aid fixes and nothing was really working. It was just getting worse and worse and worse. Oh, wow. And then a friend of mine got involved in a in this program where they were going to teach a free video arts class to people who were unhoused. And I said, oh, oh I said, as a former teacher, I just I'm just going to go out on a limb here. But my hypothesis is that if you can keep some of these people in the program for the whole year, you're going to make a tremendous impact on their lives. And oh, I, wow. Right. That was my guesstimate. And I said, could I please come talk to the other artists and residents about getting permission to film? And so they gave me permission. And then, of course, I had to talk to the folks who would come in for the program. And right. some of them said, no way, I don't want to be in the film. Totally understand, respect. Right. And then a few of them, it was just magical how these three folks ended up being the ones that were, two of them were there for the entire year. And one of them was there for almost the entire year until he oh, got wow. got into a different film program at the Northwest Film Center. Oh, yeah. So he, wow. wanted, he wanted to move forward. And I, I understand that. After you completed this film, are, are you still in touch with them today? Did this program change their lives? Yes. It did? Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. That is so cool. Um, when you... It's not in the film. So I can tell you, one of them, Samaya, is now living in Venice Beach, California. So we had our premiere at Dances with Films in Hollywood okay. last summer. Wow. Very exciting. I got to take my mom with me. It was oh, husband. Yeah, it was great. And so <laughs> Maya was I, I was able to bring her and a bunch of her friends to the premiere. Oh wow. Okay. And yeah, she was just on cloud nine. I was a nervous wreck sitting in the theater. <laughs> She had not seen the film. I did not. And they, they were all so happy afterwards. And that just made my day. Oh, my God. They hadn't seen it. Oh, I can see that makes you extra nervous. She wow. actually stood up. There's one scene where there's some dance. She's dancing with a bunch of people. And she loved it so much. She stood up in the middle of the film and started jumping. Oh, oh, that is so, so cool. It was great. And then um, she is doing volunteer work helping other people who are living on the streets in Venice find their way. Yeah. She is in um, public housing in a great situation. She's got really good healthcare now, and now she's paying, you know, paying it forward. Amazing. I love that. And that's how it should be. Yeah. John is actually, this is like so exciting. So John is actually getting ready to go do the MFA in theater. No uh, way. Playwriting program at the Art Institute of Chicago. 
Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Uh, So how old are these individuals that, you know, they impacted? So John is, I'm going to say John's probably, I think John's like mid thirties. Okay. Yeah. To late. And hopefully I got that right. Cause he'll watch this and be like, I can't Uh-oh. believe <laughs> um, We're going to go with 25. No. <laughs> Sumaya is, I remember when we were making the film, she kind of, she was like somewhere late 50s, 60s. So now I, she would be getting into closer to 70. Oh, wow. So the, you definitely yeah. impacted or this program multiple generations. Yeah. That that really speaks to our homeless population and just how diverse it really is. Wow. Yeah. And Sumaya even, she did reconnect with her family and um, has been up to Seattle to visit some of them. And oh, wow. John doesn't have contact with his family. And I, that does not surprise me. When but you he's the, found his way. Yeah, he's he's making his own family. And um, I'm really excited because I'm close enough. I can go up to Chicago and support him. Yeah. Oh, that is so awesome. So um, this film did pretty well on the festival circuit. Yeah, it did well. We did. Um, I was just going back and to look and we did 10 festivals around the world. And I'm really a big believer in self-distribution at this point. Right. We did get picked up for traditional distribution. Oh, very cool. And it was fast. I couldn't believe it. I was. Wow. Wow. In a couple of months of dances with films. And. Wow. Um, and so I started negotiating the contract and ended up doing a hybrid distribute, you know, ha- so you can of- do a little of this, a little of that. Yeah. And so that's brilliant. I've got the rights for PBS underwriting, which is huge. Oh, and also especially with your documentary with that type of film. Yeah, that was very smart. Well, I, I've been studying with some really smart people um, <laughs> who are they're just basically self-distribution coaches. Oh, that's awesome. So I I learned a lot during the pandemic. I was on a webinar or something almost every single day learning something. Wow. Yeah, I used it for that too, because you kind of feel like you still need to be moving forward. And that was one way to do it. Um, Very weird. Took me a long time to get used to like this thing called Zoom and not being in person with people. Now I'm more comfortable with it, but I don't like to see myself when I'm doing the interviews. <laughs> I like to create the scene. It's like my, it's it's kind of how I'm keeping my chops doing like oh, mise-en-scene. Yes. I haven't done a drama in a while. Yeah, you're, you're setting the mood or something. <laughs> I love that. So do you have another film that you're currently getting ready to work on or what are you up to? Yes, I'm really excited. I'm, um, so I am a chronic Lyme disease sufferer person yes Uh some of it we call ourselves Lyme warriors oh wow Uh, and so there have been three big Lyme disease films that have come out in the last two years oh wow Um, there's one streaming on Amazon now there's one streaming on Netflix but there's a lot of a lot of ground to cover in this and so I'm actually going to turn the camera on myself for the first time oh wow and so um, I'm going to document my phase two of my Lyme treatment journey. 
and try to, um, trying to, um, continue to educate people, but I also want to delve into how COVID has impacted. Yeah. Big time for a lot of, wow. How do you find out that you have Lyme? Is that a, a, like you start feeling bad and you get a blood test or basically, or I had it for over a decade before I was diagnosed and I, Oh, wow. Yeah. And I, I would go through periods where I was feeling well, periods where I was not, I was in bed. I couldn't hurt all over. You probably thought you had like lupus or different diseases like that, right? And had to check for all of them or. Yeah, I was tested for so many things over so many years with so many different doctors. And that's really common. It's everybody in the Lyme community has a story like that pretty much. Wow. Except for the lucky few who get diagnosed right off the bat. And Are hopefully. those more treatable? Well, it's more treatable the shorter amount of time it's in your body, but it's also a matter of, I have autoimmune disease too. Uh, so when your immune system is already compromised or compromised, okay. and you're just more susceptible to not being able to fight off the bacteria of Lyme. Oh, wow. So it kind of just like, it gets in your system and it just complicates every, like it just, it's a mess. And and what kind of treatments are there for this disease? I really know nothing about it other than the name. Yeah, so. go go watch the documentaries that are out because they're really educational. Honestly, the best treatments for people who don't get rid of it with the standard two weeks of doxycycline, which doesn't really get rid of it for too many people. Oh, uh, wow. That is a myth. Then those of us who aren't able to fight it off with that, and then we end up getting sicker and sicker and sicker over time. The Most of the treatments are, they're not recognized in the United States, but they are recognized in Europe. Do you so, have to travel to get medical care? Um, you have to play this game where you, it's like, it's like becoming a private investigator to find a Lyme literate doctor in the U.S. Oh, wow. So I have finally found one who I had. I was in treatment in Arizona for three months before the pandemic. And I got IV antibiotics and other anti-inflammatory natural things. Oh, wow. Five days a week for like four to five hours. I'm sitting in an infusion room. Getting oh, a- gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, it it's was quite a journey then. It's a lot like cancer. I was going to say that. Or I was like, can I? <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. In fact, I was in treatment. The cl- The private clinic I was in was all cancer, all Lyme. Wow. And, there, and insurance companies don't want to cover the treatment. So there's a big political oh. aspect of this. Yeah. Oh, great. So anyway, so I... You're going to have a lot to tell when you put together your journey phase yeah, two. A lot of this stuff has been covered, but um, what hasn't been covered is, you know, how the films that have come out in the last couple of years, you can tell were shot before the pandemic or kind of wound up towards the beginning of the pandemic. So they weren't really able to break what's happened the last few years. Oh, wow. During the pandemic, was getting treatment for this difficult? Because you can't can't travel. You can't go. Yeah. I just quit everything. Oh, wow. And so I had made a lot of headway. I was about when I got to the treatment in 2019, I could barely walk. Oh, oh, yeah. I couldn't read for more than like 
10 minutes or I get a migraine. Oh, geez. Wow. I could go, I could go on and on. So yeah. Is, yeah. We'll watch the film when you're done with it. Every system of the body. So, oh, um, it's terrible. And, and the brain. So wow. there are a lot of, if you have it in your brain, it causes a lot of cognitive problems, kind oh, of like wow. Parkinson's. So, so what, what are your, your plans for it? You're going to make that over the next year or have you already started? Well, I'm going to do a short first. Okay. And, um, and I'm going to work with a really tiny crew, just really simple. And then I'm going to try to put the short out as soon as possible in order to raise money for the feature. And when I get to the feature, I'm going to bring in other a people. bigger crew and and, and more it, people into the story, like not that have had Lyme. the same issue or more people yeah. with Lyme. Okay, but, interesting. But different socioeconomic situations. I'm fortunate that I can that I can even afford to get care. Right, right. So, so I I hope that goes very well for you. It's definitely an important topic too. What made you decide when you were going to become a filmmaker that your films need to have meaning and impact? Well, you know, it it took me a long time to figure out what it was I wanted to be doing. And I was taking, I've taken a lot of classes. I was studying with a guy <laughs> from the UK and he does a lot of mentoring with indie filmmakers. And one of the first things he taught us was you need to know your mission. You need to know your goal. Every oh. single, Every single project you choose to do needs to be in line with your mission. And that the light bulb just went off because I realized all of the little projects I had gone off and done on the side over yeah. the year that my heart wasn't in it. There, oh. I, it wasn't a waste of time. It's never a waste it's of time. It's definitely a learning experience, right? Yeah. Growing. It was learning, but it's yeah. like, I'm at the point, you get to that point, you're like, now I'm at the point, I need to focus. I need to, I need to make sure everything is in line with why I'm doing this. And that just, that cleared up so much. It makes sense. <laughs> total, total sense for sure. What advice would you have to share with somebody that wants to jump into filmmaking, whether they're telling, you know, stories for pure entertainment or stories for, you know, a bigger purpose? Well, I would say, you know, do some journaling really reflect on what you've done this up to this point look at what your what are your recurring themes what do you keep getting drawn back to and where oh. and think about what are the projects you've done that felt really fulfilling and your heart was there and and when you were finished with it you were glad you did it that's you know? a good point yeah think that that helps clarify um, it does whether your genre is like something like a thriller or suspense or something else it, it you do need to know when you finished it how you feel that's a really good gauge huh I wish you told me that like 10 years ago <laughs> I wish somebody had told me that when I started but I but I'm yeah. still, I was so I was so interested in experimental film when I was in film school and I think a lot of people are because you're getting introduced to these people you've never heard of that are right right wild, you know <laughs> yeah my son always talks about making an art film and granted they're pretty but I can't necessarily see it story-wise and I'm just like I don't know you know <laughs> 
So, but I'm going to tell him what you just said. <laughs> well, then you take, you know, the beauty, beautiful thing is, is taking those ideas of how to do something new and innovative and yes. then integrating that into a story. And, and then you have something. You that, can have all of it probably if you put it together, right? Yes, it's true. That is true. So if people want to like learn more about you or find you, where would they go to look? Go to my website. It's www.melissagregoryrue.com. And the website for Live Out Loud is liveoutloudmovie.com. And there's a link on the movie site to we're streaming on Vudu and Spectrum right now. And so hoping to get more platforms and then um, we're going to be moving on into the so more like the social impact part of the project. So I'll be taking it around or doing things like this with universities, community groups. Nice. Yeah. Nice. What what message do you want people to take away from the film once they watch it? I think that one of the things that's really important to me is that people realize we have so we have brilliant people living on the streets. <laughs> and there, of course, we know the stereotypes. These people are mentally ill and, and, and many or of the them drugs or yeah. Yeah. Or they're just lazy or, and, yeah. and, you know, there are reasons that these social problems come about that are not being adequately addressed in our society. But I True. think aside from that, I think it's just, for people to look and go, oh my gosh, you know, we have untapped human potential. If we were to be able to uplift more people, get them, not just get them into housing. We know that's important. Water, shelter, food. You got to have the basics. Right, right. But people can't really turn their lives around until they regain their self-esteem. And so that's what I think was so important about this arts program for these folks was that they regained they had they gained this new identity in a oh, way. Oh wow. They became filmmakers. Somebody basically put their hand out and helped to lift them back up too. And I, I think people can't do it alone and we have to not be afraid of what we don't understand. Yes. Um, I have this philosophy in life too about judging and I, I I feel very strongly we should never judge anyone for anything going on in their life because and maybe I'm a little bit superstitious, but I feel like if I judge you or anyone else, whatever's happening to you that I'm judging you for could happen to me tomorrow. And so it would be more important for me to extend a hand and help them if I have that option over saying they're lazy, they're this, they're that. Because yeah. I could be them. I could be them tomorrow. Who knows why? My spouse could pass or, you know, something could happen. Yes. And I, I love that you're telling these meaningful stories. It's a good thing. And hopefully people will watch it and they'll be able to take that a- away from them. So, yeah, it, it's nice. It's very, very nice. But we should probably do our last five minutes, which is five fun questions um, for you. Whenever you're ready, we'll we'll get started. Okay, go. Okay, here we go. What is your favorite food? Uh, Alaskan king salmon. <laughs> Do you have to go to Alaska for that? No. <laughs> no, you can. T- I, everybody from the Northwest is going. Yes. Because, <laughs> yeah, 
That's you, great. You learn to love that there. That, yes. That is great. Okay. Here's one for the filmmakers. What is your favorite thing to drink after you've been on set all day? Oh, interesting. I think it would, it de- I'm supposed to be short. It depends on the mood. Um, a lot of water first. Good. I love water. Well, you know, a lot of people do say because they're like, well, I got to get back up and go there tomorrow. It needs to be water or, you know, something like that. And then, you know, I I do get a full range on that. But I was surprised. Lemon water, the coconut water. There's so many types of water I'm learning. (laughs) I love it. Um, What is something that you have always dreamed of doing, but you haven't done yet? Not film related. Right. Oh boy. That's... It is a hard one, right? Because a lot of us were so busy working, we don't think about these other things. I I think in my I my next life I would like to be an archaeologist. Oh, that would be so cool. Yeah, you know what? I dream about that too. That's that's a cool one because history's fascinating and that's the best way to find it. So, I like that. It's a good one. All right, here's a fun one. What is your favorite song to sing at the top of your lungs when you're driving in the car and you think no one can hear you <laughs> oh, I song when i was making the film before live out loud gotta believe by fatback oh oh that's cool you know an old funk yes oh my god that, that's a cool i didn't expect it's, that it's a really fun song um yeah. i recommend it for motivation i played it every single day for about a year to keep going on that film <laughs> was that film like super like difficult to make because of the human element yeah it was a short drama and it had epic proportions of organization and oh next time I do a drama it's going to be two two locations and two people (laughs) maybe three (laughs) I love that okay all right last question what is your favorite movie (sighs) Boy, that's tough. I there are two I always come back to, and I can't decide between them. One is Akira Kurosawa's Dreams. Oh wow! The other one is Van Vender's Wings of Desire. Oh wow! You really do like these intense, wow, yeah. powerful journeys in film. That's that's very interesting. Very cool. Well, I hope when you get ready to do your next film, when it's ready to come out, you'll come back and talk to us again. I wish you great success on this. And and it's been a real pleasure having you here today. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Yes. Thank you. Have a great day. And we will talk soon, I hope. Bye. Today's show is sponsored by Jim Kitty. Helping women on their health and wellness journey by providing high-quality, organically sourced vitamins and supplements. Visit them today at www.jimkitty.net. You've been listening to Movie Making with Rennell Golden. Be sure to come back for our next episode where we bring you the people who make movies you love. Got a topic about filmmaking you want to hear on our podcast? Send us an email at moviemakingpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. This podcast has been sponsored by Samara Entertainment. <laughs>